0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's
1: B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Some days in life are so painful you remember them for a long time. January 12, 2010 is one of those days. It was the day Google announced that it would stop censoring search results in China. And that was the beginning of the end of Google China. By the end of March, it had announced an official exit.
0: Yeah, because forevermore, if you lived in China, you had to get on a virtual private network, or we call them VPNs, to use any Google product. Not just search, but also Gmail. Some of our listeners who've traveled to China have experienced this pain, and you're probably nodding with us at this. All of a sudden, things you take for
1: granted simply stop working. Email disruption is the worst. In 2010, though, that wasn't immediately the case. If I remember correctly, I could still go to google.com.hk, which was Google's site in Hong Kong and hosted outside of mainland China. And I could still search for some things, although it was slow and sensitive terms sometimes resulted in errors. But by all accounts, Google was banned for good by May 27th, 2014. The
0: government never offered an explanation for this. Meanwhile, Google continues to have staff in its Chinese office. It's about 240 in Shanghai and
1: 460 in Beijing for 700 or so total. Thus, it wasn't a total surprise when news leaked a few weeks ago that Google was going to try to re-enter China, with maybe a modified version of its search engine code named Dragonfly that could get by Chinese censorship requirements. And there were rumors of other products, too, such as the news app and even cloud
0: services. There's been a lot of backlash internally, including a 1,400 employee-signed letter protesting these projects. But we're not here to tell you what Google will or will not do. We are here to give you some idea of what the Chinese perspective is on all of this, and the results just might surprise you.
1: The president's key economic team goes to China. Uh, after a whole night banking, I say I still want to do it. <laughs> Hi, everyone. We're Tech Buzz China by Pian Daily, powered by the Seneca Podcast Network.
0: We are a new weekly podcast focused on giving you a peek into what's buzzing within the
1: tech community in China. We uncover and contextualize unique insights, perspectives, and takeaways on headline tech news that don't always make it into English language coverage.
0: TechBuzz China is a part of Pandaily.com, a new English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Yingying
1: Liu. And I am your other co-host, Ray Ma. I am still recovering from my acute bronchitis, so I apologize for the huskiness in advance. I'm not just trying to sound extra sexy here, or am I? (laughs) Actually,
0: you just sound very sick, right? Anyways, shout out to our fans who tweeted us to get well last week. Thank you. Shout out also to Eric Wong for your latest feedback and to our loyal listeners, Eric Thorne and Sachin Arora. And finally, an extra special thank you to Matt Sheehan, who contributed to this episode, but couldn't be here to record with us today. Search for China Fornia Newsletter, that's by Matt Sheehan, on
1: the internet and subscribe today. If you enjoy listening to us, please take the time to leave us a rating review on iTunes or Facebook or wherever you get your podcasts. So all this started on August 1st when The Intercept, a site funded by Pierre Midiar, founder of eBay, broke a story that Google was planning to enter China with a censored search engine. Within hours, the same news was all over Chinese tech media.
0: As we said in the intro, Google left China in 2010, but Chinese tech media really love writing about its return. Every move Google makes is highly scrutinized so that basically every year, there's some rumor that Google is gonna be back for good. People got super excited, for example, when Google opened up an AI lab in China last December and when it launched a WeChat mini game called Guess My Sketch in July. The announcement of a Google Developer Day back in December 2016 made waves, not just because, well, Google was actively courting Chinese developers in a big way, but also because the google.cn domain was being used for the event. That URL hadn't been active since its exit.
1: Yeah, if you go there to google.cn today, it's still just an image of the Google search box, and it redirects to google.com.hk, Google's Hong Kong site. They apparently did this so that they could keep their ICP license with the Chinese government. But why did it leave in the
0: first place? It was so long ago, and I guess the don't be evil motto had really gotten to me because I had the narrative of Google leaving due to government censorship.
1: But that's not the real reason, is it, Ray? Nope. As our good friend and author Matt Sheehan explained in his excellent piece on Macro Polo, Google was no stranger to censorship. So Google had started offering search in Chinese since September 2000, but it only officially entered the market in 2006 on January 26 with the launch of Google.cn. The results though were always subject to censorship by the Chinese government. Or as Matt put it so diplomatically, Google operated its search engine in accordance with the Chinese government requirements on content restrictions.
0: I wasn't yet living in China at this time, but I believe that if you were searching in English, the results were mostly unaffected. It was only if you were searching in Chinese that the quote-unquote content restrictions really kicked in.
1: Yeah, anecdotally, that was my experience upon arriving in China in 2007. I didn't get the sense that the English results were censored very much. Even very sensitive terms yielded results. I didn't stress test this, of course, so I can't be sure. But it would make sense since Chinese users would only be mostly searching in Chinese. Google did okay in
0: China. It ended up something like a 20-30% to 30% market share the year it left, depending on which report you cite. Nowhere near 64% market share it has in the US. It was far behind Baidu, which was at over 70% market share, and by the way, it has mostly held on to that. But despite having a solid second-place position and complying with the local regulations for four years, Google suddenly announced its departure. Why?
1: Because of hacking. Google wrote on its official blog that, quote, "...in mid-December, we detected a highly sophisticated and targeted attack on our corporate infrastructure originating from China that resulted in the theft of intellectual property from Google." We have evidence to suggest that a primary goal of attackers was accessing the Gmail accounts of Chinese human rights activists. Supposedly,
0: Chairman Eric Schmidt was not in favor of leaving the market, but Sergey and Larry were insistent. And so the decision was made and communicated.
1: I so remember that day. Many of my friends in tech were deeply saddened by the news. People sent lots of flowers and sympathy cards to the Google offices in Beijing and Shanghai and made makeshift memorial-like things in front of the company's signs. Can you imagine? It was like somebody died. There was a sense of real tragedy.
0: Not at Baidu's headquarters, though. Baidu's stock went up 12% on this news. And that's where we are today. Google's still not available in China, and Baidu dominates the market on both desktop and mobile. Without boring you guys with the detailed stats here, you can think of Baidu as having something like 70% of the market and the next two being 360 and Alibaba-owned but mobile-only Shenma, followed by Sogo, which has an exclusive license with WeChat and has Tencent owning a large chunk. The remaining players, Microsoft Bing and Google, are negligible at just one or 2%. But why
1: does Baidu continue to dominate? Does it really, as its advertising claims, just get the Chinese market better than Google? But even if so, since Google's exit, the other players now are all local Chinese. That doesn't seem like a sustainable advantage.
0: Well, I'd argue that Baidu hasn't dominated as much as it could have given Google's exit. The other players have picked up the vacuum left by Google, and there's some indication that Baidu's losing ground, especially in mobile, which is super important. Since of the 750 million internet users in China, 95% are
1: accessing the web from their mobile devices, mostly their smartphones. Right. And actually the primary complaint about Baidu by Chinese internet users is that it's just not a very good search engine. Let us use an example to explain to you what that means. So, let's try a pretty simple search term. Baidu Gongsi 2017 Nian Bao Baobiao. That's Baidu company year 2017 financial statements. If you put this search term into Google, the first result is some topic from Chinese Quora zhi and Baidu's Q2 2017 results. Okay, not what I was looking for, but relevant. The second result, though, is Baidu's investor relations page, where you can directly click through to the 2017 annual report. That's what I was looking for. If we do the
0: same thing in Baidu, however, you won't be able to find it. We're not joking. We flipped through the first 15 pages of results and could not find any link to Baidu's own financial statements through its own search engine. Instead, what you get are a lot of sites that want to teach you how to read financial statements or to build them. That's probably two-thirds of the results. The remaining are links to third-party sites with press releases to financial statements, but only a few of them are for Baidu. Most are for other companies. Isn't that confusing?
1: Yes and no. We aren't saying Baidu is completely useless. It gives you pretty decent results if you search for Beijing seafood buffet, for example. But there is a reason why some internet users in China joke that the only use for Baidu is to see if your internet is down. And to be fair, we tried the same query in 360 search at so.com and it was the same. 15 pages of what I'd call spam. Lots of links to fee-based results for financial statements for all sorts of random companies. Just not Baidu. Anyway, people don't believe this is a technical deficiency on Baidu or 360's part, but the result of active business decisions. Indeed, the
0: complaint is that Baidu's search results seem heavily skewed towards commercial results, not the user's needs, and furthermore, they're opaque about it. Going back to our example of the search for financial statements, some of those results really look like they're paid results, but they're not marked as such. I don't know, maybe they really are organic, but
1: either way, it's all actually just spammy ads. Now, spam is bad, but scams are worse. And that's Baidu's real crisis in China, that at least for a portion of its users, it's become synonymous with scams. In May 2016, a huge scandal put Baidu under the regulatory spotlight after a college student named Wei Zexi died after going to a hospital that was promoted on Baidu. His story is really heartbreaking. Not only did he not get the correct treatment, his family went into deep debt on his behalf. And he died at just 21 years old. His post on Zhihu
0: as he was dying, is still the top-voted response to the question, what do you think is the greatest evil of human nature? It's really, really sad. In it, he explains that the doctor lied to him, saying that the treatment he was being given was very effective in the U.S. and that it was from Stanford. It was only when he was not improving, and a friend in the U.S. Googled the treatment for him, that he realized that everything was a lie. The treatment had, in fact, not even passed clinical trials because of low efficacy.
1: Now, we aren't saying, of course, that if he had Google, he would have lived. After all, he had a very serious illness, late-stage synovial sarcoma.
0: No, and we aren't even saying that Baidu is entirely at fault here. The doctor in question had been on TV, on CCTV 10, and the hospital was not a no-name private clinic, but a quote-unquote triple-A hospital that's the highest grade. But due to the strange way that the healthcare system works in China, it appears that the hospital had sold or outsourced the department Wei went to to some private unscrupulous investors who had lied shamelessly about their treatments. So that hospital definitely got in trouble.
1: But so did Baidu the government cracked down and by due fired the VP in charge of advertising. It also instituted new rules, including requiring relevant certifications of organizations wanting to promote medical services. It also decided that it was not going to go by a pure price-driven bidding system, but a reputation-based one. And it was going to provide clear markers indicating paid results and also provide some assessment of risk to the user. That all sounds good, right?
0: Except this really wasn't the first time that Baidu had been accused of such practices, and a lot of goodwill had already been lost. That trust remains broken today. Sadly, there's every evidence that the above scams are still prevalent on Chinese search engines. In May, state-owned Xinhua News wrote an article titled, The Medical Paid Ads Are Back, and they noted a few disturbing things. For one, searching for diseases just yields hospital results. And second, Scammy clinics were buying the results to real hospitals, so you were just bombarded with scams. And finally, to hide the lack of compliance with regulations, some search engines have different results on PC versus mobile. Now, I don't know how exactly they're getting around the rules, but the first two are pretty scary
1: as is. Let's be clear, this is not a Baidu issue. This is a China search issue. But Baidu does get the bulk of the blame because it is the industry leader. It's also the main reason why many Chinese people got pretty excited when the story of Google's return came out. It's not really because they love Google, I mean, maybe they do, but it's really because they detest the current options and believe that Google has better corporate values, at least in comparison. They're hoping that Google can bring some order and more ethical practices to an industry that many think is already beyond saving. The trouble is there aren't that many of these people
0: because when we say these people, who are we really talking about? We're talking about people who are aware of the scandals, who understand how search engines work and advertising keywords and stuff like that. Well-educated, well-informed, worldly individuals who probably travel abroad and understand that there is a world outside of the Great Firewall. But how many people in China are actually
1: in this demographic? Well, millions. But because China is so big, every segment turns out to be millions. The people we're talking about, though, it's actually a very small percentage of the population. Longtime listeners who have heard our episodes on live streaming and Pinduoduo especially will know that the big topic of this year in Chinese media, which is being covered, by the way, with some surprise by Chinese people themselves, is about the rise of the rest of China. You know, the China that's not Beijing, not Shanghai, not Tesla driving, not Starbucks sipping. Do you know how many people that is? In China, 大专一商, or vocational school and above educated, is only 119 million people. That's 8.5% of the 1.4 billion population.
0: That's compared to 42% in the U.S. The remaining 91.5% in China... Maybe they didn't even finish high school, since compulsory education is only through grade 9. They probably won't care if google.cn is working again, ever. They're probably not even aware that they're getting spammed and scammed. And that's the consensus for many analysts in China, by the way. If anything, they don't see Baidu being toppled from first place, but maybe some of the smaller players, such as 360, SoGo, and Shenma, could lose some ground. But even then, I couldn't find anyone who even thinks Google could take second place.
1: Not even the fanboys. Well, no, the fanboys do think it'll be number one. People's Daily actually did a poll on Weibo that has since been deleted, but 90% of the respondents said that they would choose Google over Baidu. I really don't think that's representative of the general population, though. And anyway, that's just in search. Now, you might be wondering, what about that Chinese news app Google is supposed to be working on? Well, people are even less bullish about that. Not only is ByteDance, aka TouTiao, just miles ahead with a six-year head start, but there are so many other competitors. And one analyst makes a really good point. Are the state-owned media really going to publish on a Google-built Chinese news app? He thinks not. I'm not so sure, but I can definitely see his point. The space is extremely crowded already, and the market is relatively mature. And when has Google ever been good with social or media? Except for YouTube, I guess, but that was an acquisition. Right, and the
0: prospects for cloud services is even less rosy. Amazon has been at it, trying to launch AWS in China for a few years now, and they had to sell their physical assets to a local firm last November to comply with regulations. Google's probably gonna have to do something similar. Anyway, it's no wonder that Baidu's Robin Li was so quick to take to social media, aka WeChat, and announce to the world, or announce to Google, bring it on! I ain't afraid of you! His exact words were, if Google decides to return to China, we have a lot of confidence in battling it out again, and in winning yet again.
1: And Robin being Robin, of course he had to drag the rest of the Chinese internet into it, because, you know, he's a patriot. He warned Google that the China internet sector of today is not like the one Google left. He said, quote, the entire world is practicing copy from China. These are realities that every global company that wants to enter China must face and ponder deeply. I'd like to remind him that
0: Google never actually left China. Its services might be blocked But it's always had offices there, and as we explained earlier, it's never let the ICP license on Google.cn lapse. As for Baidu, I'm not sure that investors are convinced by all the bravado. Their stock price dropped almost 10% when the news came
1: out, and it still hasn't recovered yet. But maybe Baidu investors should just chill. Aside from the internal employee disapproval we mentioned at the beginning, there may be more serious political backlash at home for Google, too. According to Wired, apparently six senators have already written Pichai about his plans for Google in China, expressing concern. But the U.S. government is relatively easy to deal with, right?
0: I mean, can you imagine Sundar Pichai issuing a public apology like Zhang Yiming of Toutiao did when his 100 million user app, Neihan Duanzi, was shut down for being too vulgar? By the way, guys, we talked about that in episode one, because that's the type of localization that's going to be needed especially if Google touches content.
1: Is it worth it though? Part of me agrees with the Chinese tech elites, many of whom who seem to think that the reentry of Google will make the industry more honest. Now, maybe the bar wasn't ever that high, but it's definitely dropped lower since Google's departure. Although with Google now having taken out Don't Be Evil from its code of conduct, who knows what will happen? In fact, a cheeky writer even said, That's one reason why we should bet on Google winning, because it's not the innocent do-gooder it once was.
0: But if Google does return, it certainly feels like mission impossible. The domestic audience has largely gotten by without it, and they don't seem to care. As a recent Stanford study showed, the post-90s generation, which has grown up without Google, Facebook, and Twitter, even when they're given access, half don't bother going to any blocked sites at all. And of those who did pretty much no
1: one looked up for news sites. And that's not to mention the eight years of data that Google hasn't been able to collect from users in its absence. That's a real data gap. Anyway, what do you guys think, dear listener? Tweet at us at TechBuzzChina and let us know. We love hearing from you.
0: We'd like to give a shout out to our partners at SubChina. In addition to our podcast here with Pandaily, they publish the Excellent Seneca podcast, a weekly discussion of current affairs on China with journalists, writers, academics, policymakers, and
1: business people. So while we only focus on tech, they really give you the entire overview. Okay, that's all for this week, folks. Thanks for listening. We really enjoyed putting this together and are always open to any comments or suggestions. You can find us on Twitter at the ThePanDaily, China, and my personal Twitter account is Rayma. That's spelled R-U-I-M-A. And my Twitter is
0: spelled G-I-N-Y, G-I-N-Y. again. We'll see you guys back here the same time next week.
1: Tech Best China by Pandaily is powered by the Seneca Podcast Network. Pandaily.com is a new English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. Our producers are Carol Yin and Kaiser Guo. Our interns are Scott Du and Wang Wang Li.